You want your five star matches? You want your thirty minute classics? Not me. Big meaty man slapping me. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Slapping Me to Wrestling Podcast. My name is Randall Beatley. I am your host, and we got a good episode here as we continue to talk about the world of professional wrestling from a casual lens to casual fans. And if you're a hardcore fan and I, a member of the IWC TikTok Twitterverse community, we welcome you here as well. Um, though the opinions here may not fit your narrative. And that's um, that's okay. We, we accept all people here. We, we accept all views. We just ask for, you know, the same type of respect towards our opinion. That's a whole different topic. <laughs> Already gone off the rails here. Um, just want to start this off by saying, ladies and gentlemen, I have ventured into something that I never really had planned to get into. Um, and that is video game, like stream recording. You know, you, you see these things on TikTok all the time of people with like the WWE 2K streaming and they make the, their own promotions. And, and I always thought it was cool, but I never really planned on getting into it Well, I'm into it. So, ladies and gentlemen, episode one of my promotion, Queen City Pro Wrestling, is on YouTube right now. Go to Queen City Pro Wrestling on YouTube. Um, I will get the link in my bio on my TikTok or on my link tree, which is you could find in the in the the link in my Twitter and TikTok. I will put that link on my link tree here sometime by the end of. Uh, this week, once I get the chance to do it. And either way, just go to, I think the, the YouTube did something fantastic where they gave you the ability to create a, an at handle. They did this in the last six months where it used to be with YouTube, you have your channel and you had like a long, uh, a long link that you had to share. Um, right. And so it it became somewhat difficult to um you know share your link unless you you sort of knew it offhand. Now with the at handle, all you literally have to do is type in youtube.com forward slash the at sign QCPW and that will take you to the page. Again, that's youtube.com forward slash QCPW. Please tell me what you guys think of that first episode in the comments there. Um, with that said, let's jump into this episode. And this episode is going to be um, 
It's going to be a little bit uh, different than normal. I've been real busy the last week in t- with work and uh, haven't really had a lot of time to plan um, you know, episodes, what I want to talk about. And, and so luckily, in this wonderful Discord community that I'm in, uh, you know, we, we like to ask each other questions. People will just start asking random questions about anything and everything. And it's fantastic because... Um, it... It allows me one to really, I don't really think about wrestling a way a lot of people think about wrestling. To me, it's just a TV show. I watch it and I move on with my life. And every now and then I'll, I'll analyze it like I do on this podcast, but I'm not really like, there's some questions that people think of that I've never thought of before. And, and so I, I, uh, I like this question. It's it's a very important question. It's not one of those questions where it's like overanalyzing the the product. It's actually a very good question, and it comes from uh, Mike in our Discord. Um, again, if you want to join the Discord community, you have questions for me or the other podcaster. His name's the, the host of the server is Notorious Nerdy D with the the Casual Wrestling Show as well as the Casual Community YouTube page. I go to that YouTube page, Casual Community. Like, subscribe, share the videos, share your thoughts, join the conversation on YouTube, but also in the link of his videos, he has the Discord page posted in there. Um, and so join that Discord. You can join the conversation. And so this entire episode is it is going to this specific question asked by Mike here and it, it's a it's a it's a pretty complex set of questions um right so the first there's about three questions in one here or maybe two questions um but we'll start with the first one which is the the least complex thing and then we'll go to the second question which I I'll spend a lot more time on so so the first part of, of this question I'm going to read a word for word for what he what he wrote um, it seems as though WWE books questionably at times, and it's got me thinking, what goes into a booking and creative decision? We as fans feel we can fantasy book with great ideas and storylines, yet the ones you get paid the big bucks in the WWE seem to drop the ball often. So I am curious... What do you believe goes into a booking decision and creative storyline decision um, between both pay-per-view and premier live event decisions? Example, given what what goes into thinking of Dana Brooke versus Rhea Ripley or Cameron Grimes' three-second defeat of Corbin? So that's the first question. And and, and I'm going to be completely honest. I have no idea what goes into a WWE booking decision but I don't think that's what he's asking. Like, what do you think goes through Triple H's mind when he gives directive orders? No, no. I think there's a there's a there's there's a system in WWE. Obviously, they have their writers, and and I think they have their 
their storylines that they have, and and I'm not gonna sit here and say that they're the worst. I've right, but they're not. You know, I think they could get better, but I think they also have to listen to the directive of of the networks, and I think that's the number one important thing. When you have a, a, a Raw, like if you watch Raw and you watch SmackDown, they are different products. And it's because the networks want different things on the show. Um, and so, like, like, and I've been feeling this way since they sort of did the, the, the two separate networks. That I've always felt SmackDown was going to get the benefit of, of having a little bit more creative freedom on Fox. Because I, I don't think Fox is as concerned with being kid friendly as NBC universal is. Um, and it, well, it's really more so Comcast who owns NBC universal. And if we, if we go a little bit deeper, um, there's a parent company for Comcast. Who is that? Um, um, you know, doing the research for this, you know, you, you 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 learn some things. If you guys don't know, there's only six media companies in America. There's six media companies in America for television that own thousands of channels, right? And so NBC Universal, Comcast, and then there's a parent company I can't think of who it is at the moment who owns all of it. Um, and it you have one set of you know, directives for Raw and NXT, right? But then you come to SmackDown and, and, and the Fox Corporation, I don't think they're as strict as NBC Universal seems to come off to be. Um, and so the networks are very important, right? So that's the first thing that will go into a booking decision. But I think the more important ones, especially with the examples you gave, because you did give one from a Raw, and you gave one from a SmackDown, right? So I, I don't think those decisions were like the networks chiming in and saying we need Cameron Grimes to, to get a three-second defeat over Baron Corbin. I think the idea with that one, I don't think they accomplished their idea the way they, they thought they would with that one, with Cameron Grimes looking sort of, you know, like he wasn't, uh, he's pretty unbeatable. Um, I think for me it didn't get through because, and this is sort of where I I lose interest in these people getting called up because Cameron Grimes was very beatable on NXT. Um, what I would like now that Cameron Grimes is on the same brand as LA Knight again is for them to start that feud again that they had in NXT. That was very entertaining. If you don't remember, Cameron Grimes used to basically be LA Knight's little butler, and they fought for the the million dollar championship, and and it, it was fantastic. It was a fantastic feud. Um, and then LA Knight gets caught up. Cameron Grimes, you know, stays in the middle. He's fighting for the North American Championship, but he's losing a lot as well. And then he comes on to SmackDown. He's a little bit more bulkier, and he beats Corbin in three seconds. And the the person who and me, who loves NXT, says, well, he's not that, he's not that, first off, you just be Corbin, and when was Corbin ever taken serious? And so, 
when you put people like Corbin in this position to where beating them is supposed to mean something, you have to build Corbin to, to be a legitimate competitor. Corbin at this point is just a, an overpaid jobber at this point. You could have put anyone in that position and Cameron Grimes could have done the same move and it would have had the same effect. Um, and so for that, I think the goal was, you know, I think they have a, 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 a method to try to get people over. But I don't think they they accomplished that with Cameron Grimes in your example, as they did with you know on the other side on the raw side, which we'll talk about in a, here in a second. But I do think that Triple H has a, a specific plan that he wants, and these smaller booking decisions are just steps to get to that ultimate goal. I don't think he accomplished what he wanted to with. Cameron Grimes, though. Let's move over to the Raw side with Ripley versus Dana Brooke. And and Dana Brooke could have been replaced by any babyface woman, low-tier sort of jobber status woman on the roster. You could have slipped in Tegan Knox. You could have slipped in Candice LeRae. You could have slipped in a lot of the, the, the undercard of the women's division there. And you accomplished the same goal. I think they did a little bit better of making Rhea Ripley. I think they're trying to make her look like a bully, right? And they 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 set that up perfectly. Now now what was what was the point of making her look like a bully? Well, it was to bring out Natalia, because Natalia is going to be her Saudi Arabian opponent, which is a, a somewhat legitimate opponent to have in a place where I think Natalia has done every single Saudi show, and she sort of has, you know, um, repertoire over there in Saudi, so you don't have to bring, you know, someone else. You know she's willing to go over there and, and, and put on a match. She's going to lose. Rhea will beat her. And Rhea, can, uh, excuse me, and, and Natty can come out and be the the sort of savior of of, of the oppressed, the, the, the person who stands up to bullies. And that's sort of Natty's role here recently. And so you make Rhea look like a bully by beating up someone who's already been beaten in Dana Brooke. And then you... right. So I don't necessarily think that the that Triple H walks into to creative and says, we got to put Dana Brooke on TV tonight. It's a, mu- it's a must. It's no, how do we get Rhea to, over as this bully, he, massive heat heel... So that we could put in Natalia. Okay, so we're just going to put a baby face. Who's here? We'll put Dana Brooke in that. Because Dana Brooke can pull this off. Right. And so I don't think there's something real deep going on with those two decisions. And 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 I'll just be honest. Like, Triple H's booking, I, to me, is very simple. It's, we want this person over. And he really loves to get heels over. Right. Whereas Vince was the opposite. Vince really liked booking baby faces and did a very awful job booking uh, booking the heels. Um, Triple H is, is very good at booking heels, but not as good as booking the, the baby face to, to, to ultimately come in and save the day from, from the bad guy. Because that's what booking should be. That's what storytelling should be. Even if it takes, you know, a year... Right, the bad guy can rule for a year, but ultimately the good guy comes to save the day. That's that's how you do good storytelling. All 
good stories are essentially that type of story where even if the bad guy seems to be in trouble at the end of at the end of book one or at the end of movie one and 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 maybe even at the end of movie two but at, at the end of the trilogy the good guys win right so that that that's how you tell a story for you know 99% of stories out there are there's a good there's a bad they fight um bad guy seems to be in control for for most of the story but good guy comes and and, and against all odds beats bad guy that's that's a very good storyline and then you just plug and play with the different characters and the different motivations of each character right that that's very simple booking um, and so I don't necessarily think there's like a, oh, we're going to, we have to put Dana Brooke on TV or, oh, Corbin needs his, his, ma- Corbin, like I said, Corbin and Dana Brooke were replaceable in that situation. They just needed bodies in the ring to try to get the other person in there over in whatever way they're trying to get them over. I think it accomplished a lot more with Rhea than it did Cameron Grimes. More than likely because no one, I've, I've, I think I said this last episode, and we'll touch on, on it again here in a minute, excuse me, um, is the NXT crowd, right, um, and I, I, I said it last episode, it was either last one or the one before that, here recently I said something, we were talking about Omos, and um, why sending him down to NXT won't work. Because you'll send him back up and only 50% of the audience recognized Omos, the new Omos from his NXT run, right? So only 50% of the SmackDown and Raw audience watch NXT based on the numbers and the ratings. Well, what we can calculate, the statistics we can calculate is about 50% of the audience of Raw and SmackDown that watch NXT, right? So... There, to me, there is no benefit of moving someone like an Omos down. But in the same way, it also affects when you get caught up with someone like Cameron Grimes, who only 50% of the audience watching knows who they are. And you even have a chance of going to a place with where the live crowd doesn't know who he is. Uh, I, that happened this past Monday. Uh, the... Um, Battle Royal for the IC number one contendership. I was in the live crowd. I had a kid behind me who his parents, I, I don't think the parents, you know, watch the product. It's just, hey, the kids watch it. So we're taking them because it's here live in Greensboro. And they, there was the point where JD McDonough was attacking Dolph Ziggler. And literally the kid behind me more than likely doesn't watch NXT said, well, who is that guy? Said that about Von, like the kid said. Well, who right when Von Wagner was shown, he, who is that guy? When Zion Quinn was shown, he was walking back up the stage after he got eliminated. Who is that guy? And especially with someone like JD McDonough, who is that guy? Right, because they don't know the NXT crowd. And so, the the second part of this question essentially asks, what would we do differently? I'm going to give you one part of what I would do differently because it fits with what I just said. Put NXT. You know, try to get NXT to be more um, 
no, like if you're going to to use NXT on TV on Tuesdays, you have to do something to get people to watch on Tuesdays. If it's just going to be developmental, okay, take it off of TV and use it as developmental. Um, so I, I just, I just, I just, you know, because when you, it doesn't do any benefit, especially, right, and then when you do call someone up, don't switch their gimmick when they get to the main roster, right? Now, J.D. McDonough's the same J.D. McDonough. They're just doing a little bit different in storyline there. But someone like Cameron Grimes, I don't think he's the same Cameron Grimes as he was on NXT. And so... The the prime example was someone like Karrion Cross when he got caught up and he ch- completely changed the gimmick. Now no one cares about it because it's not the same guy, right? So I don't think WWE has a honestly. I think I think the main point is investors have to approve of of what, like if the investors don't like what's on TV, right? If the suits in in corporate at the networks don't like it, those are I think the two things that WWE has to take into consideration when they make a story um, and, and make a booking decision. Um, but I also think that Triple H is super, he's long-term planned out what he wants. And so now each week it's just, how do we get one step closer to the long-term goal? Um, and so I think Triple H does a lot better than that than Vince McMahon did. I think Vince McMahon was the type of person who's like he does he didn't have the long term plan he was very short sighted and so it was we're going to throw this at the wall if it sticks we'll keep going with it until it no longer sticks and if it doesn't stick we'll just forget about it after a week and act like it didn't happen and so i think triple h is a little bit better on that aspect of long term planning um for the stories but I still I, I don't think necessarily he goes in and, and books every I think he he allows for changes to happen on a weekly basis, um, which first off I I actually said probably think is the way it should be booked. You don't want to have everything set in stone and then like an injury happens and now you you're sort of rushing to to fix your plan. Anyway, um, so let's move on to um. The second part of Mike's question, because we do have a lot more to talk about as well. Um, the second part of the question is, um, how would you go about booking and creative? What changes would you love to see? What's gone wrong, etc. Um, what's gone wrong? I don't really think it's gone wrong. I think a lot of the problem is like you referenced in your question, we fantasy book a lot. And and because we fantasy book, we have these high expectations of what we want to happen. And when we don't get them, it just seems like, I'll be honest with you. And I say this every time I do a, a pay-per-view prediction show. I say this every time I do a, a, a pay-per-view or premiere live event preview show. My expectations going into every single wrestling show is D plus. If you get a D plus, you met my expectations. You know why? And it's not that I don't expect them to be a plus. It's that I'm going to sit here and say, this show is going to, to be good, but it's not going to be the greatest thing ever. I'm not going to expect the greatest show ever. Every single show, 
because that that will eventually leave me disappointed. And so if I expect, you know, to this just to be very mid and it turns like like and it turns out like Backlash did when it was it's potentially better than WrestleMania, right? Now you leave excited. And so I think a lot of the problems even casual fans have is they go into the to go go into premier live events or they go into Monday Night Rawls or SmackDowns expecting like an A plus show every single week. And first off, that's not attainable. You're not going to get perfection every single week, especially with Triple H. If you watched NXT during the Triple H era, the weekly shows were ass. I literally did. Like, NXT is my favorite brand and has been since, I don't know, probably like 20, like when I first got back into wrestling in 2014 and I sort of started watching NXT in like 2015-ish, like right towards the end of the Four Horsewomen, about to be caught up for the women's revolution. Um, Like during that time... I would watch NXT, but it was on the network, which which I didn't. Ha- oh, I shared with a friend. Um, we he paid for it, and we sort of just shared the account. Um, but it just it the the weekly shows even then were just pretty mid. But the takeover events are what people remember of that era. I think NXT's weekly programming. Over the last year, maybe two, especially in like the two, the 2.0 era to, to now, has been leaps and bounds better than black and gold era, undisputed era NXT. The, the weekly shows, the storylines, the character development, thousand times better, right? But... You can expect out of Triple H for the weekly shows to be pretty mid, if not pretty awful. But the pay-per-views, the premier live events, <laughs> those are going to be some pretty banger shows, right? And I think that's fine. I'm 100% okay with that. I do wish we could get a little bit more character development. What I do like, I'll, I'll say this, what I do like about their booking on a specific example is Dominic. Dominic has legit heat from the crowd. Probably the the biggest booze that of the night on Monday when I was in at, at Raw was Dominic Mysterio. Every time he walked out there, the entire crowd just went insane. Boo, boo, right? And some of it's go away heat. Some of it is legitimate heel heat. But, dude, he's getting a response. He, the, the Judgment Day has really turned his career around. Um, And, I mean, WWE recognized that, and they're leaning into that. And so, they're leaning into the, we're just going to continue to have Dominic do things to get the crowd to boo him. Right, they're leaning into the, the, the playing with the crowd when it comes to Dominic, and that's the right way to book it, right? But let let's talk. What's gone bad? I, I personally don't think the booking is all that bad as a whole. I think there are certain people who have been booked pretty bad, and we'll talk about one here in a minute. <clears throat> um, 
I want to go deeper in depth on, on Saturday's episode because I was real, real rushed on Saturday um, when I was – like I said, I was super busy last weekend, and when I recorded that, I was rushed on the day I recorded it, and and it, it was a short episode, and I felt like it wasn't the best episode, so I want to sort of expand on it, and we'll end this week's episode – or today's episode will end – on that on that note of expanding on on some conversation pieces um there that we talked about on Saturdays but I, so I don't necessarily think back to this topic back to this question sorry. I don't think that the booking is necessarily bad as a whole I just think we have too high of expectations I think there are some I think that as a fan base we 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 expect a certain storyline and, and just like your question was worded, you know, we fantasy book and we, we, we book out. You can go back to the end of last year when I, when I did my uh, episode, I think it was episode 37. Um, and I, uh, I did like uh, booking the bloodline through WrestleMania and not a single thing that I fantasy booked came true. Through WrestleMania. Not a single thing that I fantasy booked became reality. But if you listen to my plans, I still I still stand by what I said there. And I thought it was a pretty damn good story. Right? And, and, and so we fantasy book these things. And then when it doesn't come true, some fans feel like, oh, I'm too, I'm smart enough. You should hire me. I don't think am I. I think there are, the, the cool thing about being in creative Right. And, and like the cool thing about the avenue of wrestling is it is an entertainment product. It is a creative product. You know, in MMA and boxing, if you lose a fight, you don't get to come back and sort of have a rematch or you don't get to come back and sort of create a story to get you back to the top of it's sort of just fact you lost, you move on. You may not get a title opportunity for years Right, but in but in in WWE you can sort of change the narrative, right? If 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 you're a bad fighter in MMA, you're just a bad fighter. There's no way you can change that narrative, right? But in WWE, if you if you go on a losing streak, you could turn that into a storyline, and you know become super uh, babyface, get the crowd behind you, start going on a winning streak. Right, and now and now you're in championship material six months later, right? And so the the cool part of of what wrestling is that it is a creative aspect, and the story that I think of and what I think should happen could be 180 degrees backwards from what you believe should happen, and neither of our opinions could be what actually happens, because being that it's creative. Everyone has a different level of creativity. Um, what I will tell you, though, what I think is wrong with WWE's booking and what I would change, and I've, I've done a lot of these videos where, like, what would I change if I was in control of the... I, I do at least one a year. Like, what would I change in WWE? Um, we just did one recently, a couple months ago, where I sat down and literally cut, oh, I think it was like 30 to 40% of the roster. That's part of the thing that I think is wrong with WWE's, as well as AEW, is the roster is just too big. 
and a lot of it is just fat. What I mean by that, a lot of it is just fat, is that you may get some good out of it. Like fat when it's cooked perfectly is great. But but if if you get a if you get a steak and it's a fatty steak, it could be the best seasoned, best cooked steak. But if you cut into it and your bite is just fat, it's not good. Like like fat adds to the flavor, but if there's no meat to it, right? And so a lot of what we get on these shows are just it's just the fatty portions of the roster that have no that serve no purpose to the to the main storylines. And so if you cut 30% of the roster in WWE, you get down to the to the meat, I think the product instantly becomes better. Uh, I'll be completely honest with you. And I may have to go through and and do that again, do another like cut the roster type thing with the new with the WWE draft and sort of go, you know, I sort of went through the rosters already, but maybe even coming and looking at, okay, who are we going to cut? All right. Um, um, and so that's what I think. I, one other thing that I think is wrong is the producers. I think the big problem and, and some of the things that where it leads to you know, things not being booked the way we want them and maybe characters not getting over the way we want them are the producers. Vince McMahon had so many yes-men as his producers who just did as he said and didn't know how to actually tell a story. And so the first thing I would do, honestly, one of the first things I would do, I don't like saying the first thing I would do because it's sort of, and, and I say this a lot when I do these type of videos, it's sort of like if I were to be elected president, there's not a first thing that I would do if I'm elected president. There's a list of things that will be done at the same time, right? Now, we're not going to go into the political aspect of it, but as, in, into WWE, like, there's a list of things that I would do day one all at the same time. Like, Randall, you're you're the new CEO of WWE, you have, you know, you know, you just were named CEO of WWE. You're, it, it's sort of an interim position right now. Go meet the, the, go meet the, the staff, the, the, the people who work for you. Go meet all the corporate employees. Go meet the roster. You have 30 days until you become officially, you know, this. The day that I officially become CEO of WWE. You know, things will happen at the same time. Like, like, like it would be like, okay, on day one, what are we doing? On, we're doing this. We're doing this. We're doing. The first thing is, I'm firing all the producers, and then I'm hiring Hollywood producers. Let me tell you why. WWE is an entertainment company. We don't need wrestlers producing because they're not the. First off, the yes men in the back right now. And, and, the, and the industry is super political. Please do not forget that. There's a lot of politics that go on backstage. Uh, you know, the, the number one politician I can think of in wrestling is Hulk Hogan, right? I'm not losing this match. I'm not losing to this guy. I'm not good, I'm not going to put out, right? Brock Lesnar is a, a super big politician backstage. He will not fight certain people. He won't put over certain people. If he puts you over... That means he likes you. Right? 
but but right and so that is another thing that they have to that they have to play against it um and so i just that that stops day one if you're like brock lesnar i'll be honest he's a money draw he brings in money but guess what the second you tell me you're not doing what i want you to do you're out of here i don't care about your creative control I don't care about your, your politicking and you don't want to put someone over. If you don't want to do what my vision for the company is, Brock, you're out of here. You're not Brock Lesnar. Let's just be honest. Brock Lesnar at his point in his career right now, where they have him positioned, can be eliminated from the roster at any point and it not hurt the product. The only thing Brock Lesnar is there for right now is to generate ticket sales. But I, I feel... It, because you're leaning on Brock and you're not building anyone else to be that position, that ultimately, to me, hurts the company, right? So we don't need Brock Lesnar. You don't need Brock Lesnar, right? So if he, if he right, so you end the politicking. You basically tell everyone that's there, you either do what I want you to do. Like, I'll even say with Roman Reigns. Like, if Roman Reigns wants to be political in the back and say, I'm not putting someone over, okay, Roman, you know what's going to happen then? On live TV, we're going to strip you of your of your championship. I don't care about your thousand days. Or you can just listen to me back here. We can handle this like businessmen. You put the person that I want you to put over. Your choice. Either way, you're losing the time, right? So, right. I just, I just, this is where I agree with Russo, Vince Russo, is the politicking backstage makes it nearly impossible to write 100% the way we want the book. Right, if I, right, our fantasy booking can't happen because there's politicking backstage. I would put an end to that. You either do what I want you to do, you do what my vision is for the company, or you leave. But the problem is, is we have too many people who are part of the boys club, who are yes men, who, you know, who do whatever it takes to keep their spot and keep their friend's spot on the, on the roster. Um, and so I would put an end to that. You either, right. It doesn't matter who I have to get rid of. Like, like as you could always build a new star. You're an entertainment company. You're right. The, and this this is going to my point when, when we talk we're going to talk about Omos here in a second. You literally control who gets over with how you book them. right? So the first thing I would do is end the politicking. What's gone wrong to me is Vince has kept so many producers who don't know how to produce. I would hire Hollywood producers, right? If you've ever seen the show Heels, that show does a better job getting over that wrestling uh, promotion than I've seen like AEW or WWE do for a lot of their wrestlers. I would hire Hollywood level producers. I would get rid of all the boys in the back who play the the yes game, and they're yes men, and and a lot of them are older and they're thirty years behind with the times, and so th- what they think is funny may not actually be funny to the to the generation watching, and and they book like they're in the eighties half the time, right? And so I would get rid of the 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 boys in the back. I think I think that's become a problem. Is the boys in the back have too much control, right? Triple H has all his friends doing what he wants for because they're yes men. 
And WWE's always been that way with Vince, and I'm sure it's going to be that way with Triple H at the helm. They're just a bunch of yes-men. Hey, man, you think this idea, yeah, Trips, yeah, we think it's great. But behind their back, oh, man, that's a shitty idea. No, we're not going to do that. You know what's going to happen? We're going to hire Hollywood writers who can write scripts, and, and we'll give the entertainers the ability to to add them. I think that's a big thing with Vince McMahon that really made promo suck under the Vince McMahon regime is he gave them almost zero chance to improv, which is what a lot of these guys are. A lot of these, like Kevin Owens isn't a pure entertainer. He's a great wrestler, but he's an entertainer because he, he has the ability to improv and do his own promo. I w- if I was in charge, you would have that ability. I'm right. The greatest movie scenes. Um, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and Brian Callen was on. He's a comedian. He was in the in the show The Goldbergs until recently. He's played a bunch of other parts, and he had like a six-second scene in the Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix. And he was talking about... Uh, he was a very minor character. You probably won't even recognize him. Um, but he was literally on screen for like six seconds. But he was talking about being on set and watching um, jo- Joaquin Phoenix um, film... And there's a scene, I actually have never watched the movie, I'll be completely honest. I'm not a huge fan of, of the superhero movies. I think they're super corny. I've just never been into them. Um, and, uh, but there, apparently there was a scene in the movie where Joaquin Phoenix, like, smashes a clock or something. Um, and he, and Brian Callen basically says, that wasn't planned. That was complete improv. But it was kept in because of how impactful of a of a, a part that was, right? And and there's just certain people who are geniuses when it comes to improv. Adam Sandler is one of them. Some of the best parts of Adam Sandler's movies are complete improv. The Office had a lot of improv in that show, right? So some of the best scenes aren't scripted. And so Vince McMahon's um sort of promo style of like you have to say word for word what I wrote or else we're not going to do it. It, it that restricts the creativity of your entertainers but also at the same time you're not going to get 100% creativity you know f- creative freedom because I need certain stories to be told right so you'll have the ability to improv but I still need a story to be told the way that I want it to be told um and so you remove the politicians, you remove the people on the roster who want to try to politic to keep their spot. I don't care who it is. It could be Brock Lesnar, it could be Roman Reigns, it could be a jobber, I don't care, right? Um, we, you remove the producers, you bring in Hollywood-level producers who understand how to produce a TV show. And then you, you get the yes-men out of the locker room. You Because a lot of them are marks for the business. They, they, they eat, sleep, drink, shit, piss, wrestling. That's all their life centers around is the wrestling business. And, 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 and they think they know what's best for the business. But a, but a lot of times they don't. And I don't know what's best for business. But, but, but I know what's, where my creative plans would go, right? Um, I wouldn't actually be doing, if I was like in control of WWE, I would hire high Hollywood writers and have them pitch ideas. And I'd be like, mm, yeah, I like that one. Now write me the full story, right? Um, it would definitely be a long-term storytelling in the way 
how the, we we would have seasons. We would have seasons, and if I was a control, we would have seasons, right? Just how NCIS has season one and season two and season three, we would have seasons. And so, what I would want is, okay, what's the storyline for? What are the storylines for this season of the product? And it would go from WrestleMania through Survivor Series in November. That's the season, and then the holiday. The holidays, so the rest, you know, December you have off. We'll give the, the the wrestlers off on December. In the shows for December, you know what? They're super easy. How you can do this? You can pre-tape like the best of 2023, and air them all December, and still have a live episodic episode of Raw. Right, but that I I hate that that. WWE sort of tries to push that we're the longest episodic show live to ever exist. We've gone so many episodes straight in a row. No one cares. No one cares about that, right? No one actually cares about that. If 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 you went from April to November as a season, you had an off season in December to allow your pe- your your entertainers and your employees to have a month off. You go into January with the Royal Rumble, which is sort of like the the beginning of the story. Um, you you do, and then you start new stories, you know, after WrestleMania. So so it would go like season one, or or actually, there would be two seasons a year, right? So you would go from Re- Raw after Mania through SummerSlam, and then Raw after SummerSlam through Mania. And in between, like, like, but you would have December off, right? Uh, just give them the whole month of December off and do like best of, best of the year, right? And then after Royal Rumble into WrestleMania season, you just go hard into telling the story, right? I just, I think there's, there's, because wrestling is, year around and they wrestle like 300 days a year i think there's just too much wrestling and the crowd is so desensitized to it that so if you give the crowd like a month break in december after survivor series and you give them a whole month and a half off until you get to royal rumble like the royal rumble should be like a super special event I personally don't believe you should have anything other than the Royal Rumble match at Royal Rumble. And it doesn't have to be a four-hour spectacle. Literally, do a pre-tape. Or do a live event. It can be live. But it's just a two-hour show with the two Rumbles. I think you can do that. I don't think you need everything else outside of the two. Because at this point, Royal Rumble is a super gimmicky pay-per-view where the only matches that really matter are the Rumble matches. And so just, right? But if you give your, your superstars December off, January off, do like a two-hour Royal Rumble special with just the two Rumble matches, and then that sets the scene, and then after that special airs, now you have sort of the storyline to build you to Mania, I just think the, the 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 season's too long for WWE. So so, I mean, I've named a lot of things that I would do. Um, cut the roster, 
um, definitely needs to happen. There's too much fat on the roster. Get rid of the guys in the back. Hire Hollywood producers. Produce an actual entertainment show. Make it a, a an actual TV show rather than trying to make it be like a, a sporting event. That means outside of the of the arena vignettes. Holy shit! Who figured that these would happen? Right? NXT does them. All the time. Why can't we do them on the main roster? I don't understand it. NXT is so far ahead in storytelling from the main roster, it irritates me. Because that's your developmental brand. Your developmental brand is levels above your your main roster in storytelling. And you want me to believe that the best product is happening on Mondays and Fridays? I'm sorry, it's just not. So so that I, I think I I did the best that I could trying to talk myself through that uh that uh that question. Um so Mike, if, if that's not enough, let me know what else you want me to talk about in that in that question. Um uh, but but that that's me sort of talking my let's go and cover this Omos situation again. It's the it's the the heated battle of why the hell am I talking? First off, WWE has done more. I don't know if it's WWE though. The uh, the casual wrestling community Discord group has done more in the last month to get me thinking and talking about Omos than I've ever thought about Omos in my entire. life. In his entire career, like, like I, I, I don't, I don't care about Omos. I have no skin in the game to defend Omos. What I do want to defend, though, is my argument. Um, and so, like, like I don't care if Omos succeeds or not. He's not one of my favorites. I think he has a lot of potential, and so I do. I am willing to defend who he is, and and his ability and his place on the roster. Um, and so. The big suggestion that I've seen a lot of people, not just in our Discord group, but in just in general, is Omos needs to go back down to NXT. And I said this last episode, but I want to again say it again. I don't think that will benefit Omos. And if it does benefit Omos, it benefits Omos only. It doesn't benefit NXT. Like I said, NXT is leaps and bounds better, and everyone has a gimmick there. Everyone has a character. Everyone, is, and everyone that's part of a storyline has a reason to be there. And if you just insert Omos and put him as champion, it just sort of disrupts the flow. And then for what? To put him back on the main roster? Where we were, where 50% of the audience didn't watch him in NXT and have no idea what's different about this Omos? Right? The same thing's happening with Apollo Crews right now. Right, Apollo's coming back after his run in NXT, and fifty percent of the the audience they don't know what changed about Apollo Cruz. The accent's gone, but we don't know anything else about it. Right, and so I just I the, for some people like for Mandy Rose it worked. Mandy Rose. Because she she extended, and I think a lot of it is because she's a woman. That's, I'm going to be completely honest. That's not a negative thing. 
because she was a woman and the gimmick she was getting over, she had 3 million followers on, on Instagram, all of who probably watched wrestling in some way, shape, or form. They knew who Mandy Rose was. If, if Toxic Attraction showed up at any point when Mandy Rose was in the company, people would know who she was and what's different, right? The hair's different. The attitude's different. You know, she's walking out here and she's she's champion. Like, like people knew of Mandy Rose because of the different outlets of, you know, Instagram and TikTok and Twitter, and, and people just knew about her. Apollo's no, right? It wouldn't benefit Omos. So while we're talking about booking... Because my main argument for Omos, why I give him the benefit of the doubt, is that his biggest problem, his biggest hindrance, in my opinion, so far in his career, has been his booking. Now, we've sort of argued this in our Discord group. And and, and anything that I say here, I just want to preface this. Anything that I say here is not malicious. There's no hateful intent. Some of it's going to be playful. Um, but this is a topic where I'm a, I'm a little bit emotionally attached now to the idea of of defending Omos because I think my my argument is is logical in my opinion that that Omos hasn't gotten over because he hasn't been booked to get over ninety percent of wrestling is booking. Right, and so while we're sitting here talking about booking, I think it's 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 a good idea to sit here and, and defend Omos again. Ninety percent of of wrestling is the booking decisions. Omos can go out there and have the most. If Omos went out there on Friday and was a hundred percent charismatic, was a thousand times better in the ring, and I get all these arguments that he's that he's sort of green in the ring. I don't think he's green. I'll be honest. Um, <clears throat> I think he's doing what he's being told to do. Um, right. And so, so people like, oh, he has no chemistry or excuse me. He has no charisma. He has, he's, you know, he's very green in the ring. And, and I'm sitting here and I'm like, but the booking is telling him to be stoic and to be quiet and to not have charisma. That's literally the booking. And so people are like, well, I'm not going to... And again, again, no, not malicious here, but, but uh, people have said, well, I'm not going to sit here and say it's bad booking when someone like Kevin Owens has had shitty booking. Where? Like, literally, where? Like, Kevin, let, let's, let's talk this through, because here's the thing. A lot of people like to make comparisons, but they don't think out the whole comparison. And again, I want to—I I gotta say this, not malicious at all. I just—I'm emotionally attached to it, and so, so, so I will probably say things that might offend people. I don't mean it; it's not intentional. I'm just emotionally attached to the idea of, of, of protecting Omos now. Um, and I, I, I literally—I don't—I also—I don't like when people don't logically go through their their conclusion, right? Or their comparison, right? Walk it all the way through the ending here, right? So you think Kevin Owens has had shitty booking the last couple of years? I just I, my question to that is where? Where has Kevin Owens in the last five years, right, not been booked good? 
Like, where has he had the level of booking that Omos has had? Because let's talk about Omos's booking. So he comes out. First off, he's a bodyguard for, um, for Raw Underground. That failure of a fucking flop. That's one of those things where Vince McMahon, pro- Shane McMahon probably went to Vince and said, "Hey, bud. Excuse me. Hey, man. Hey, hey, Daddy. I think I, I think I have an idea. I think I know what will work." After 10 o'clock, you know, when the kids go to sleep, we're going to do Raw Underground. And it's going to be like Fight Club. Right? And then it worked for like a week. And then maybe a second week. And then people didn't care about it. Because it, it was stupid. Right? But they had Omos. I don't even think they had a name for him at the point. But he was the giant guy guarding the door. <laughs> right? And then he sort of disappears. And then the pandemic happens, and he comes back, and he shows up in a match with Akira Tozawa as a fucking ninja. I'm sorry, but if Omos was an actual ninja, it defeats the point of being a fucking ninja. So, uh, somebody, I, I, I read somewhere, oh, I would rather prefer Ninja Omos than what we currently... Do you not understand how illogical that fucking gimmick was? The dude's seven foot tall. The whole idea of being a ninja is being able to be stealthy. The dude can't move. He he's seven foot tall. He 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 takes three steps. He sounds like a fucking rhinoceros. He's not stealthy at all. He can't do the roundhouse kicks and all of that shit. It was silly. It was stupid. It was stupid. Right? And so logically, that's shitty booking. And then you put him with AJ Styles, and it started working. He was the bodyguard for AJ Styles. And then he became tag team partner and tag team champion with AJ Styles. And my problem, my number one critique of how Vince McMahon treated the tag division is he would put these random people who don't seem to really work together together, give them the title, and then like two weeks later, they're fighting each other. He didn't let it breathe. It made no sense to me because Omos was getting over there. And I understand they paired him with AJ because AJ's job at that point was to get Omos over. And AJ was doing a damn good job at doing it. But then they broke him up. And then we had AJ Styles versus Omos. In a match where Omos was still learning. Like this was years ago. He was still learning. And he gets thrown into the fire to face someone with a very difficult style to wrestle against. In AJ Styles. He's fast. He's... He's agile. He, he's doing jumps and flips. That's a difficult person to wrestle with. If, it's, if you're seven foot tall and you're still learning. And you're like 25 years old and you have zero wrestling background. And then that doesn't work. And so you get repackaged like four more times as the same character where all you do is you face jobbers. And you're beating the jobbers. But nothing comes out of it. And then you join MVP, becomes your mouthpiece, with I think, which I think works. I think MVP should be his mouthpiece. I really don't want to hear Omos talk. I don't. 
I, there are some people who don't have to talk. Like when Brock Lesnar was was quiet and didn't talk, I was fine with it because he didn't need to talk. I think Omos is the same way. Omos doesn't need to talk. But you you don't you don't give him anything. And 90% of wrestling is the booking. And even though I believe in the grand scheme of things, at the end of the day, winning and losing doesn't matter, in, in kayfabe in the storyline, I'm not going to get invested in a character if he's going to lose every single week. There's a reason we're not invested in Corbin, because he loses. If you can't prove to me that you're invested in Omos to give him a win, I'm not going to get invested to cheer for them or, or to buy his merchandise. Right? People want to cheer for the winners or someone they, they have the ability to think that they can win. And so with Omos, he kept taking loss after loss. Every big match he was in, he lost. This is this is a hot take. He should have beat Brock Lesnar at Mania. He should have beat Seth Rollins at Backlash. He should have. Those wins right there would have skyrocketed the, the dude to the fucking moon. It wouldn't have hurt Brock to have him lose. It wouldn't have hurt Seth Rollins to have him lose. Now, the Seth match was a little bit better because Seth did a very good job at getting over the fact that this dude was a giant. No one else has really treated him in the ring that way. And so I do appreciate that Seth Rollins had the professional ability to understand they're trying to make him get over as a giant. I have to treat him that way. And so the, 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 the stomp off the top rope it does exactly that. That was Omos' best match of his career. So how do you fix Omos? <coughs> Excuse me. How do you fix Omos? Because I still think the, 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 the door's open to, to strap the rocket to him. Well, what's the rocket? The United States champion. Omos is the free agent. Have him come to Austin Theory and say, we don't give a fuck what you want. You're going to fight us for the champion and championship. Have Theory lose to Omos and then just start feeding the mid-cards. The, the mid feed the mid-card. Ziggler, Mustafa. I'm looking at these free agents. Cedric, Shelton, Elias, Mustafa, Von Wagner, Zion Quinn, Dolph Ziggler, Baron Corbin. They're all free agents. Feed them all to them. Feed them all. The only person I wouldn't feed to them is Von Wagner. Because I think if you did it right, you can make Von Wagner a legitimate competitor to face Omos. Zion Quinn as well. The two NXT guys, Von Wagner and Zion Quinn, don't feed to him. But Elias, Mustafa Ali. Instead of having Ali fight Gunther, why don't you put the title on Omos and have Ali fight Omos? And have it be a win, right? Let's say Ali's at probably the highest he's ever been in WWE at this point, right? In terms of his stock. Let's say he goes, he loses to Gunther... Because Imperium sort of cheats to keep him winning, right? Omos wins the United States Championship, and, and Elias comes in and says, or not Elias, excuse me, Mustafa Ali comes to him and says, hey, open challenge, I'll fight you tonight, I'll beat you, right? And Omos comes in and beats him, and he beats Corbin, and he beats Ziggler, and he beats Elias. And then you feed him guys on the main, the main roster, uh, the, not free agents, but you feed him someone like, 
um, Rick Boogs and 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 even if you feed him to L.A. Knight and have a good match and L.A. Knight loses, I think that, that that'll get him over. Bobby Lashley can be a match where, right, and you beat Bobby Lashley, Edge, um, you know, Theory again. Now, you could feed him some of these guys on the roster to have him win. They won't make the, the other people look bad, but it will make Omos look like a giant. And then here's an idea. At the same time, <laughs> build another giant, whether it's Von Wagner, who's super tall, or whether it's um, Braun Strowman again, right? Strowman, let's say he breaks up with Ricochet and he goes on a rampage and he becomes a giant and Omos goes out and they set a big match giant versus giant, but they're two legitimate beasts in the ring, not just two people who are just put together in a match for the fuck of having a match. Right. And then o- Omos beats Braun Strowman, and then he beats Bronson Reed, and then he beats. Right. Then he can go into right the the middle card the the title, the mid card title, the U.S. title, the IC title. The goal of that title should always be to see one: can you can the crowd get behind you as champion, and two. If we put the main strap on you, can you hand like will people cheer for you? And I think if you did it correctly, people would take Omos as a legitimate force. And so then you could put him in the main card. Edge, Theory, Solo Sokoa. God dare we say we make him believable. You put him in a match with Roman Reigns. To where if Roman Reigns wins, it benefits Roman Reigns and it benefits Omos. Sometimes losing can be a benefit. But when you lose every single week, no one's going to care. But if you put in, you know, Karrion Cross against them, right? Rick Boogs, Grayson Waller, right? And just make him dominant. I think you can get him over. But the problem is booking. And so when you sit here and say something like Kevin Owens has been shit. Okay, we just went over Omos's booking over his career. Let's talk about Kevin Owens since he's been in WWE. Tell me where you see shit booking. I I want you to stop me. Stop the podcast. Tell me the time, uh, the time stamp. When Kevin Owens had shit booking. So let's go here. Let's, Let's take a look. What year did he join... The WWE. He joined the WWE in 2005, excuse me, 2014-15, right? In August 2014, WWE announced that he was signed to NXT. Um, and then when was his debut? His debut was December the 11th of 2014. So let's just say 2015 was when he joined the company. He debuted on December 11th at TakeOver Our Evolution. 
where he beat C.J. Parker, which is the now Juice Robinson on AEW. Um, they um. So he then immediately got into a feud with Sami Zayn, who was the newly crowned NXT champion. When Owens came to the ring the same night, his debut night, he attacked the NXT champion. And then at TakeOver Rival on what was February 11th, 2015. So two months after his debut, Kevin Owens won the NXT championship. There was no waiting. NXT champion two months into his reign. This is also a dude who has 20 years experience in the business prior to getting here. Okay, so then May 18th, 2015, five months in the company, five months into WWE, he's wrestling John Cena for the United States Championship. Five months. He's United States champion in five months on WWE's contract. Five months. Where's the shit booking at? He then becomes universal champion. July 24th, excuse me, excuse me. He was at SummerSlam August 21st. When did he win the Universal Champion? Let me read through this here. Uh, Oh, boy. Let me read through this here. On August of... uh, There it is. August 29th, 2016. Less than two years on the roster. Less than two years on the roster. And what what is Kevin Owens? NXT champion. United States champion. Universal champion. He wins the United States Championship again in 2017. He's had some slower moments since the pandemic era, but nothing really shitty in terms of booking. He also, let me just also emphasize this point of of, um, importance He has 20 years of prior knowledge of who he is for the crowd to get behind. 
people tend to forget that. Like people, Kevin Owens has always been a crowd favorite, even when he wasn't in a main feud. And I think that's a big thing. People seem seem to think that just because you're not in a main feud, that you have shitty booking. Let's read through his accolades in WWE. One-time NXT champion. One-time Universal champion. Two-time Intercontinental champion. Three-time United States champion. One-time Raw and SmackDown tag team champion. He is a current Grand Slam champion. He's been on the roster for eight years. I believe this is what this is say December 2014. Yeah. So like 10, less than 10 years on the roster. And he's, and he has all those accolades. So please tell me, please tell me where Kevin Owens shit booking starts. Let's take away from that. Not only Is he a one-time NXT, one-time Universal, two-time Intercontinental, three-time United States, one-time Raw Tag Team, one-time SmackDown Champion, Tag Team Champion, the 16th ever Grand Slam Champion under the current format and 23rd overall. Sixteenth ever in the current format of, you know, four championships. Not only that, he's had a WrestleMania match against Chris Jericho, arguably one of the greatest of all time. And he's had a WrestleMania match against Stone Cold Steve Austin 20 years after Stone Cold retired. You don't give a match to somebody and people say, oh, he's Triple H. No, no, this was Vince McMahon's booking at the time, right? Because people seem to think that Vince hated Kevin Owens. No, 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 no. He gave him Stone Cold for a last retirement match. A match you uh, you don't give that to someone who's dangerous. You don't give that to just anyone on the roster. You have to earn that spot. And Vince McMahon gave it to who? Kevin Owens. Please, please. And he carried the feud, by the way. Please, please, please understand this Kevin Owens has not had shit booking in fact I think he's been overbooked and what I mean by that is I don't think that Kevin Owens is good enough to get Stone Cold Steve Austin I understand why they did it and I like Kevin Owens but I've never seen Kevin Owens as main event guy he seemed like a a a tweener between the mid card and the in the upper card, right? But I've never seen Kevin Owens as like, yeah, he's the face of my company. He's just not. So the fact that he has won a world championship in the which the Universal Championship, the fact that he has won the NXT Championship, and the fact that he won it literally like two months being on the promotion, the fact that right. The fact that he has that, the fact that he is, he can call himself a Grand Slam champion in WWE, 
You got to be kidding me if you think that he's had shit booking. This is where you make it emotional because, or you make me um, say things emotionally because it just doesn't make logical sense to sit there and say that Kevin Owens has had shit booking. And again, none of this is personal to to, to anyone who believes this. If that's your opinion, that, that's cool. We can disagree. But when we're comparing the booking, Omos has had much more shit in terms of his booking. If you don't want to, if you don't think that booking is that important in getting someone over, you can have that opinion. But I'll sit here and say you're fucking wrong. Ninety percent of wrestling is the booking's decision. Ninety percent of it is booking. You can write someone over. You can. Literally, there's a way to to course correct Omos. Give him the U.S. Championship. And if it flops, then you fire him. But you, you don't have any justification right now for why we should just dump Omos into the ocean and throw him off the, off the boat. We don't have any justification because you as a company haven't given him any chance to get over. You, you, you just haven't. Omos needs to win to be taken seriously. And, he, and, and, and by no means am I sitting here saying Omos should beat Roman Reigns. I'm not saying that. Omos should never be world champion. That's not where he, that's not his place on the roster. But if you do a good enough job at building him as a mid-card threat, he can have a match against Roman Reigns, which could benefit both of them. Because Roman beating him just adds to the mystique of Roman Reigns. And, and, and if you put on a good enough match against Roman Reigns, Omos, you benefit even in defeat. But if all you're going to do is lose to people like Brock, I mean, Brock Lesnar's not a, a, a bad loss, but it was a, just a bad match. It was just a stupid booked match. right? But if all you're going to do is sit here and lose to guys like Theory and Bobby Lashley and, and, and mid-card guys, and you can't even pick up a win there, how am I supposed to take you serious? Right? And so my argument, I believe, is the most logical. You could be the worst in-ring wrestler ever. I could still book you to, to get over. It might take a little bit more work. But I could still book you to get... You might be the worst promo of all time. I can book you to be fucking quiet and give you a mouthpiece. It worked with Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns sucked at promo. So what do they do? They paired him with Paul Heyman. Roman really didn't talk all that much until he was more comfortable in the gimmick talking. And I think just being around Paul Heyman gives you confidence. But when you can't talk, Paul Heyman can So Omos may be the worst promo ever. Have him be quiet. Have MVP talk for him. Give him the U.S. championship. Have him defended. Have him be legitimate. Have him beat some motherfuckers. Like, just just dominate him. Some some serious mid-card. Matt Riddle. Feed him Matt Riddle for all I give a fuck. He's a, he, here's the cool thing about Omos. He's a free agent. Which means he can win the U.S. championship... 
on a Friday, and then on Monday, go beat Matt Riddle on Monday Night Raw. And then the next Friday, go beat Karrion Cross on SmackDown. And then the next Monday, go beat Riddick Moss. Or, or Dexter Loomis. Or uh, The Miz. Or McIntyre. Or Nakamura. Right? Because he's a free agent. So he can go wherever he wants. There's, there's freedom. You can do this and you can get him over and you can give him legitimacy. But you don't have all day to do it. If Omos loses four, four, four more times, five more times, people are just going to close the books. And here's the thing. You give him the title, you strap the rocket to the back, you push the motherfucker and he falls. Then you then you send them to the unemployment line. You don't send them to NXT. You send them to the unemployment line. Right? This is this is that's how you use the mid card. The women's division in WWE will benefit immensely from a mid card title because you could have given someone like Liv Morgan a title to see if they if they could carry it, because Liv Morgan got the women's championship and it flopped. And now she's sort of stuck as a tag team because they still want to use her, but she can't carry it by herself. And so what do you do? You put her in a tag team. But if you had a a woman's mid-card title that you can give to someone like Shotzi, because I think the big thing the big thing with Shanti right now is I don't think people in creative think that the crowd will, will like her as champion. She's a damn good wrestler. Right? And so booking is 90% of it. And until, and until people recognize that, I don't think they truly understand the argument. And I, and I think we view wrestling completely different. I don't care how good a, of an entering fighter you are. Do you need some talent? Sure. You can't be champion on day one. But Omos has been training and he's getting better. And I think if you put the, the rocket on him and, and it falls, then you get rid of him. But at least you know you tried to do something with him. I just don't think it's, first off, fair to say, well, Omos hasn't done anything when they haven't booked him to do anything. You can't judge Omos because of that. That's solely on booking. You can't blame Omos for not getting over when he was literally put in situations every single time to not get over. Should he have started in NXT? Sure, I can agree with that. But inserting him into NXT right now would be no benefit. It would be no benefit to him. He the only thing, the only way you can course correct Omos right now is to give him the US championship. He can't beat Gunther. It's not believable. Gunther is internally, from what I've read. And from the way he presented, especially how he was presented on Raw on, on Monday. 
He's the number one heel on Raw. You don't have Omos beat Gunther. It's not believable right now. Who is it believable for him to beat? Theory. Theory's a... And I, and I don't think it hurts Theory. Because there's a way you can put the belt on him where theory where it's not clean. Maybe Omos, you know, is distracting the ref and MVP hits him with the cane or something. Or... Right, there's a way you can have Omos beat Theory and still not hurt Theory. And then you could put Theory into the main event picture to potentially, to potentially be an opponent against Roman Reigns, who I think that would be a really good match. It would be a good match, honestly. I mean, Theory shouldn't win. But it would be a match to have Roman in. Or or who says AJ Styles doesn't win the World Heavyweight Championship and Theory wins that and then gets traded to Raw or something. Who knows how that's going to be booked. But but, but until, you, until you strap the rocket on Omos, that's the only way you course correct. Strap the rocket to him. If he fails, if he can't handle it, then you give him the pink slip. And, I'll, and, and, and then I can justify saying, yeah, he deserves to be fired. And no one should be fired. Honestly, no one, no one, I don't want anyone to lose their job, but I want them to at least try to utilize Omos rather than making him a ninja or a fucking bodyguard in a tag team that you're going to collapse after like three weeks of being champion. Or, or a guy who just sits here and loses every big match he's ever been in. That's not trying with Omos. It's not trying. It's the complete opposite. He's not. We can't just have a big guy on the roster for the sake of having a big guy. You got to build him to be a threat if you want to. Right? Even at the least, you got to build him to be a threat so when the small guy beats him, it's, it means something. Right when, when we talk about David and Goliath stories, the story wasn't necessarily that David was small and that Goliath was a giant. Yeah, that was part of the story, but the but the the, the ma- major part of the story is that Omar, or excuse me, Omar, that Goliath was feared because of not just his size, but because of his mental ability he was the best fighter for the philistines and so when david beat him it wasn't that david just beat a giant he beat the best giant that's the story and you, so 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 you can't just have a giant who isn't feared, and then when Seth Rollins beats him, be like, oh, you just defeated Goliath. No, you didn't. You beat a dumbass. <laughs> you were expected to win. So I, ju- I just don't understand how we could sit here and blame Omos for not getting over when he hasn't been booked to get over. Booking is 90% of the show. Yes, there's you have to sort of work yourself to get over and you can protect your business. 
I just I just don't understand that how we can sit here and say Omos has failed when really what has failed is the booking. Booking is the reason Omos is not over, and they could course correct and book him to get over. How many times have we seen wrestlers, right? Liv Morgan is one of them. No one really cared about her. The fans started to, to just cheer for her because, you know, for the male fans, we we, we think she's good looking. Uh, and, and, and we like to see Liv Morgan on TV and, and some of the female fans, they sort of like her, her, her personality, her sort of, you know, the wrestling, most wrestling female fans, I don't mean this offensively, but they're, they're more of the emo type fans. And, and she plays into that. Right. And, and so people started to like her and they cheered for her. And you know what WWE you know what WWE did? They booked her to get over. You can literally course correct. Liv Morgan was ass for years. Her in NXT, when she first got here, it was like the Jersey Girl, uh, you know, r- wish version of Carmella. She sucked. Literally and figuratively, she sucked a dick. <laughs> uh, um, but. She got better. As her booking got better, she got better. And as she got over, she was rewarded. The same thing can happen with Omos. It can. You just got to do it quickly because the timing, like if he loses, he loses more big matches, people aren't going to care about him. You do have a, a an expiration date on when you could push somebody. Right? But Omos, Omos is like 28 years old. He still has a long career ahead of him. I, I, I strap the rocket to him. I don't. What what else worse can happen? Demoting him to NXT is not going to benefit him. And strapping the rocket, it could fail. But at least you tried. And if it fails, then you have justification to say, hey, Omos, we gave you every opportunity here <clears throat> to get over with the with the crowd, and you just can't do it. Here's your pink slip. Right? So I think I, I think I expanded on it a little bit. I, I just felt that Saturday's episode didn't go deep enough into the topic. That's how I feel about it. Like I said, I don't care if he succeeds or fails. He's not he, He's not in my favorites of all time. He's not in a favorites list. I kind of cheer for him now because I'm like emotionally connected to defending his honor here, I feels like. like I, I, he feels like he's being attacked by the internet trolls. And not really trolls, but like... But, but, I told you I was going to say things that might offend people. I, I don't mean it, you know, as sort of like negatively but but I think I think some people just don't think out every their, their entire argument right I, I I just I just especially with like the send him down to NXT argument I think in theory when you just look at a roster and say yeah let's move Omos to NXT in theory you make him the main guy okay but what happens to Carmelo Hayes who is the main guy? You have him go, go out and lose to Omos. Then what happens? What happens to the other stories 
that right so so yeah sure move him down to nxt but you ruin the rest of nxt at the benefit of omos okay so then what happens when he becomes nxt champion he has a long reign he becomes believable the nxt fans feel him as a as a as a threat and he gets drafted or caught up to to monday night raw again and 50 percent of the audience doesn't know who he is i just don't think people don't think that all the way through What happens then when the crowd's booing him again because 50% of the audience remembers him as a ninja or as losing to Brock Lesnar or losing to to mid-carders, Braun Strowman, and that's the Omase, remember, and the other 50% of the audience who watch it, right? Until NXT becomes comparable in numbers to the rest of the shows, you can't tell me that NXT is where you, you go to to recreate just because it worked for Mandy Rose. I think there were exterior circumstances with Mandy Rose. Number one being she had the sex appeal. It's, it was easier for her to get over because of the gimmick she was portraying and the sex appeal. You can't do that with Omos. So I just, I don't think people have thought this through what happens, and at the end of the day, why would you sacrifice everyone else in NXT for the sake of getting Omos over when there's a chance where all you would have to do is sacrifice for just a little bit Theory, who has proven he can overcome being, you know, big losses like that. Theory, I think, Theory could lose to Omos, lose the title to Omos, and get himself over and, and, and be legitimate again. I, Theory has proven he can do that. And so I think it's better just to sacrifice theory for a day to have him get better. And that could even be the way for him to sort of turn back into cell phone theory, which is what everyone wants. Then to sacrifice the rest of NXT's roster because you infiltrate him into the main event picture when there's already storylines involved there. I just don't understand the logic behind it. Because I don't think it's been logically thought out from beginning to end. It sounds good on paper. Sure, send him down. He'll get better. He'll get the experience. We can bring him up. But that only benefits him. And only 50% of the roster even watches NXT. Only 50% of the audience watches NXT. So it doesn't benefit him. And in the end, what if that? what if sending him down to NXT... He goes down there and he gets back up and then he flops again. What are you going to do then? Because now you just wasted everyone else's time. You know what happens? Put the strap on him. If it doesn't work, say goodbye. And would that, that would not hurt my feelings. If Omos got the strap put on him and it flopped and he got the pink slip, it would not hurt my feelings. I just don't think it's justifiable to say fire him or, or demote him when he hasn't had the booking to, to justify that decision. Now, if they were putting the if they were putting the rocket on them and it was just flailing, yeah, sure, get rid of them. I just I just don't understand the logic. I'll be honest. I want I want to understand your logic. I do. I just don't. And so, if we want to agree to disagree, that's fine. If you have a different opinion with me, guess what? That's fine. Welcome to the wrestling community, where as a casual fan, you are allowed to have your opinion. Welcome to a community of people who can argue and debate and have fun and be petty and and do all of that shit. 
But we're not going to say you can't have your opinion. Guess what? Have your opinion. That's your opinion. Some, but, but, but everyone has an asshole and everyone has an opinion. Some people stink. Right? And I'm going to tell them your opinion. I'm, I'm emotional. I'm an emotional person. I respond off of emotion. It's why when a lot of things happen, when, when, when certain activities happen in, in culture and stuff, I don't respond until I get all the facts because I'm an emotional person. I respond off of emotion. Right. And so when I when I believe something, I will emotionally defend it. Until I'm proven wrong. And even if I'm proven wrong, I might still emotionally defend it. That's just who I am. And so (laughs) we just. You can have your opinion, but I will tell you if it sucks. I'm not afraid to speak out against bad opinions. And just because I think your opinion is bad doesn't mean it's worthless. It just means that I don't agree with it. And I'm all always here for conversation. One of my main goals that I want to have with this podcast and with, you know, just in existence is I want to create a place where people can have conversation. Because so often in the wrestling world, in the IWC, on Twitter, on TikTok, the, the people don't allow that. You either agree with them or they call you dumb and they call you names and they, and they, they say you're, you're, you, you can't have your opinion. And that's, just not, that's not just for wrestling, that's for the culture. That's for politics and religion and all of that. There are a lot of people out there like, well, if you don't believe like I believe, you're, you're dumb. Or you're stupid. Or we're going to call you names. No. I want to be able to create a place where we can have conversation like adults. And respect everyone's opinion. No matter what the topic is. I like to debate. You give me some time to to research a topic and, and, and to form an opinion. I will defend it. I will. It doesn't matter what the topic is. I love arguing. I love debating. It's something that I just, it's an innate thing in me where I just, I can just sit here. That's why I'm trying to put an end to this because if I don't shut the hell up right now, this podcast will go on for 16 hours of me defending Omos. I'll be talking in circles. You won't get anything new. It's going to be like a Bray Wyatt, uh, uh, it's going to be like a Bray Wyatt storyline. I'll be talking in circles. You'll get the same thing. And at the end of, of the podcast, you're going to sit there and be like, what the fuck was he talking about? If I don't shut up right now, if I don't put an end to this podcast right now, that's what is going to come out of this. <laughs> then I'll just disappear. Mental illness. Uh, I, don't, I'm, I, I shouldn't make fun of mental illness, but it's just, come on, Bray. Come on. That's a whole different story. We might talk about that Saturday. I haven't planned out Saturday's episode yet, but it's going to be a big one. It's not going to be as long. I do apologize for the length of this episode, but the two topics we covered today I felt were necessary to cover, and they were complex, and I like to talk. So y'all have a great rest of your day, and uh, I will see you guys on Saturday's episode.